Today's Bible reading will be from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2. So that's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mikey. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here with you. Thanks for braving the heat and, and uh, coming out to join with us together. I want to start off by showing some examples of some decisions that people have made that turned out, well, to be less than wise. Um, in that first uh, shot, I don't know if you can see what's, what's going on, but they're having a group of lads having a pool party. And when you have a pool party, well, of course, you've got to have some music to go with it and uh, something to cool your beers down while you're in the pool. So, of course, you have to have a uh, power lead uh, going out to the middle of the pool uh, through the water. Well, what could possibly go wrong uh, with this setup? working yep then after the pool you go and practice golf at the driving range right and of course you help your mate out by holding his golf ball while he tees off uh, and then what about this one so what about this one if you have any experience moving house you know what a pain it is to move if you're got to go up to the second or third floor right i don't know if you ever experienced that well here's a genius solution catapult those heavy appliances up to the second floor. Well, we all laugh when people do monumentally stupid things like that. But I don't know about you, but part of my reaction is kind of a relief that it's not me doing those stupid things because I know I'm capable of making some dumb decisions. And I think all of us have a healthy built-in fear of making stupid decisions. You don't want to marry the wrong person, do you? And for it to end up in disaster. You don't want to get a job that becomes like a millstone around your neck because of a toxic office environment. You don't want to waste your life and end up being miserable. And then as Christians, we've got an added layer to that because we want to live to please God, don't we? If you believe that God is in control and that he chose you for his purpose, that he has a purpose and a will for your life, you want to live according to that will. You want God's best for you, right? You want to live up to your potential. You want to make wise decisions. Who does God want me to marry? Where does God want me to live? Is he calling me to be a missionary? How do I hear from God? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let, let's um, join with me uh, and let's ask for God's help in prayer as we look at his word. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. You don't leave us in the dark, but you give us everything that we need to know what your will is and to know how to live for you. We pray today 
that you would give us ears to listen to what you have to say. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, where we're going today is that we're going to start with what the Old Testament says about how God spoke to his people. That's my first point. Then we'll look at the the, the New Testament. And my third point is that we're going to look briefly at the idea of calling. What does it mean to be called by God? And then finally, we're going to pull things together and see how this is all relevant for us today. So that's where we're going. Uh, So let's start off with our first uh, point, God speaking in the Old Testament. Uh, We're going to look at just two short passages. The first one is Genesis uh, 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, A well-known story, you may well be familiar with it, where God calls Abram, um, from, from a distant land, ultimately, doesn't say it here, but ultimately he leads him to the, to the land of Israel uh, to be the father of, of, the, of the Jewish nation. It doesn't say how God speaks to Abram, but somehow he communicates this message directly to him, a very specific word just for him. And uh, we, if you know your story, we know that, that Abram, Abram listens to the word and that he obeys. Uh, the second passage, uh, Exodus 3, 1 to 4, again, quite a, quite a well-known passage. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. God continues to to talk to Moses and then we'll jump down to verse 10 where God says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So here we're told that the Lord appeared to Moses from the bush. So in some way, Moses sees God. In some sense, he sees God, but then he also hears from God. God calls to Moses, presumably in an audible voice, and then gives him a specific instruction to go to Pharaoh and to bring my people out of Egypt. Again, a very specific instruction. And we could look at many other examples in the Old Testament of God calling people in similar ways. We could also look at the ways that God spoke through these people um, to to, uh, God's people, Israel. Like as an intermediary, for example, with Moses, uh, he gave specific commands to the people on how to build the tabernacle. God spoke the word to Moses and Moses spoke to the people. Time and time again in the Old Testament, we see God speaking directly, either through dreams or an angel or an audible voice. He gives a specific command for a specific time. Now, 
This raises a question which you may have already thought of. Well, if God spoke that way to Moses and Abraham, then does he call us? Does he speak to us in the same way? Certainly, there are many Christians who say that he does. I've heard many missionaries say that God called them to go to a specific country. I've had other people tell me things like, God told me to go to this place on a particular day, a particular city. Or even, God told me to marry this person. Should we look to, uh, should we look to God to speak to us in the same sorts of way? We'll hold on to the, that question because we're going to come back to it. And we'll look a little bit more at the idea of calling uh, later on. But first, our second point is, how does God speak in the New Testament? And we've got just one passage to look at, the one that, that uh, we just had uh, read to us by Mikey, and that's Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. Let's look at it again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. In the past, he's talking about the, the Old Testament times. God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. We've just seen that uh, in the way that he spoke to Abraham, Moses, uh, and others. And then he spoke to other people through them. But in these last days, the writer of Hebrews tells us, he has spoken to us through his son. The son, of course, is Jesus. The last days are the times that we're now living in, you and I, uh, in 2021. The time since Jesus has lived and died, right up to the present. Now notice that the, the writer uses the word but here, beginning of verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That word but is to introduce a contrast with what's come before. Before, God spoke through the prophets. But now, by contrast, God has spoken through the Son. How does God speak through Jesus? I want to suggest that he speaks to us in three ways. One, the, re the words of Jesus himself recorded in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Two, the life and death of Jesus, the miracles, the way he lived, and most importantly, through his death and resurrection, again recorded for us in the Gospels. And then thirdly, the explanation of Jesus' life, which is basically the rest of the New Testament, Paul's letters, the other letters, the letter of Hebrews that we have there. As we've seen, there's a contrast between the way that God speaks in the Old Testament and the way that he speaks now in the New Testament. We've seen it in the Old Testament. God often spoke direct, appeared directly to people with a specific word for them. He had very specific commands for them. Go here, do this, tell the people that. But now in the New Testament, God speaks through his Son. Jesus is God himself who took on flesh to dwell among us. The creator of the universe came and made his home to be with us. 
He spoke with us face to face. In the Old Testament, people only heard indirectly from God. But now he's appeared to us in human form. It's like going to watch a play in the Old Testament. It's like hearing the actors from behind the curtain. But then the curtain parts and you can see right in front of you God appearing in the centre of the stage. We now hear him speak to us directly. Now you may be thinking at this point, wait a minute Marshall, in the Old Testament they still had God's word. How come God still spoke to people in visions and dreams? And why shouldn't we expect him to speak to us in the same way, in those kind of miraculous ways? And what about those stories of God speaking to to people today in miraculous ways? um, Giving dreams, for example, to to, uh, people in the Middle East who've never heard about Jesus, but Jesus revealing himself to them in dreams. To which I want to say, yes, God can and does still speak in those ways, in very special cases. A friend of ours named Jodie had a quite amazing story about how her dad found her mum. Um, Her mum had been through a very difficult time and had run away from the family. But Jodie's dad didn't give up and knew his wife was somewhere on the north coast of New South Wales. He didn't know where. But he prayed that God would lead him to her, got in his car with the family and started driving. Through a series of miraculous circumstances, God did indeed lead him to his wife, to the right place, they were reunited. But stories like that are exceptional, aren't they? We remember them because that's unusual. God doesn't usually uh, speak to us in that way. Now that Jesus has come, the way that God speaks to us changes. And that's because of a very crucial difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Jesus promises that we now have God's Spirit. Have a look at John. These are the words of Jesus. John 16 verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. After Jesus rose from the dead, he sent his spirit. And now he is with us, each and every one of us who is a believer in Jesus, to guide us into the truth. And that changes things. Jesus' coming changes the way that God speaks to us and having God's spirit changes the way that we can understand the truth. You see, in the the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not with God's people in the same way. Certainly, there were special times, we are told, when the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people, like Moses, um, uh, King David, the prophets. But for the most part, the people didn't have the benefit of the Spirit working in their hearts to help them understand God's truth. As a result, we read in the Old Testament that they weren't very good at keeping God's truth. They had a bad habit of wandering away from God, didn't they? Uh, It became obvious that God's plan for his people to obey his law wasn't working. And in the end, Israel self-destructs in civil war. They are taken into exile and um, it looks like a very bad ending for God's people. 
But at that point, God reveals a plan to make a new people. And this time, he would make sure that they would obey him. How does he do that? He will give each and every one of them his spirit. This is what he says in Ezekiel 11. This is written at a time when they were in exile, talking about the future for God's people. God says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That's talking about the Holy Spirit that we just saw Jesus was describing. God would radically change the way that he would relate to people. Instead of having to hear from God indirectly through Moses or prophet or a priest, now God's people could hear from him directly because he gives them, he gives us his spirit. And the way that we hear from God isn't through an audible voice or a dream uh, or a vision, but through the Bible. The Spirit takes those words and makes it personal to us. So when Manlock, sorry to pick on you, Manlock, when Manlock reads that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only only son, she knows that God loves Manlock along with thousands, countless millions of other individuals all over the world. When John reads that that Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, he knows that this is Jesus' words for John, that he has a role to play in making disciples in his neck of the woods, in his part of the world. Now, I want to come back to to the idea of calling, as I said, and that's our third point. What is God's calling for us? We touched on it with Abraham and Moses, that that God called people in the Old Testament in very specific ways to go and do a particular thing. But we still use that word today, don't we, as I touched on before, missionaries being called to the mission field, and it often involves them believing that God's calling them to a very specific place, perhaps even a specific city. We might also talk about calling uh, in, a, in a more secular way uh, or in a broader sense that, that I felt called to be a nurse or I felt a calling to move to the country, uh, whatever it is. So how does this idea of calling fit with what we just read in Hebrews 1 about how God speaks to us now through his son? Is there a difference to the way that God called people in the Old Testament to the New Testament. I've got two short passages I want to look at. And this time I want to get you to do a little bit of the work. Don't worry, it's not hard. Uh, I'm going to bring them up on the screen. Two two passages which we'll read in a second. But I'm going to get you to to read through these and and quickly, briefly uh, consider what it is that people are called to do in each one. Okay, so the two passages are Romans 1, 5 to 6. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among the Gentiles, those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. First passage, second passage, Ephesians 1, 18. 
Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Just a minute. Just take a minute. It's not difficult. Uh, Just have a think about what it is that God is calling, um, calling people to do in these passages. Now, I was going to get you to yell out the answers, but I'm probably not allowed to get you to do that, are you? So I'll just imagine that you call out the answers and I'll reflect the answers that I know that you're already thinking of. So it's not rocket science, is it? Um, Romans 1, God is calling the Gentiles to obedience in faith, isn't he? And then Ephesians 1, he is calling you to know the hope to which he has called you. Uh, which is a similar idea, hope, the hope of the gospel. Uh, in other words, he's calling them to know the gospel, to put it in, in, in another way. And we could look at other passages in the New Testament that bring out that same thing. When God uses the word calling in the New Testament, it's a call to every believer to know and follow and obey the gospel of Jesus. In the Old Testament, God called Abraham, the patriarchs and the prophets to move to this place to do this job, very specific things. In the New Testament, God calls us to trust in Jesus, to obey his commands. Notice what the New Testament does not talk about when it comes to God calling us. There's nothing about who I should marry. Not a word on what job I should do. Silence on where I should live. Not even any guidance about whether I should be a missionary or not. But wait a minute, you might be thinking. Isn't God concerned about those things? Doesn't God care about where I go to serve him? Well, of course he does. And what if, I make, what, if I, what if I make the wrong choice and miss out on God's will? Well, they're really important questions and I know from personal experience how desperately we want to know the answers to those. If I marry the wrong person, it could have devastating consequences. I don't want to pursue the wrong career path and end up in a dead-end job for the next 40 years. But when we look carefully at the New Testament, we see that we already have everything that we need to live according to God's plan, to live by his will. What he requires of us is to respond to King Jesus, to be obedient to him, to believe in him, to bring other people into his kingdom. They're the things that God calls us to And if you're doing that, if you're trusting in him faithfully, as faithfully as you can, not without sin, but as faithfully as you can day by day, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you are living by God's will. That's his plan for your life. Whether you're living in Kingsgrove or in North Africa, whether you're pastoring a church, or you're working as a garbologist. It doesn't matter. 
If you are responding to God's calling to believe and to obey, you cannot miss out on his plan for you. You see, friends, the Bible makes it clear that God is in control over all our circumstances of life. He is a big God. He is bigger than our individual choices. Big enough to look after your marriage, no matter how you choose your partner. Big enough to use you no matter what job you do. So don't get anxious about missing out on God's will. Because if you are serious about trusting God and obeying him, you're not going to miss out on his will. To finish off, a final word about hearing from God. We saw in the Old Testament that God used many different ways to speak to individuals Dreams, a burning bush, visions, angels. And we've seen that in the New Testament, he speaks through his son and he calls us to believe and obey. But what about hearing from God more directly, more personally? Shouldn't we look for that? How encouraging it would be if I had a vivid dream that I just knew was God speaking to me personally. Well, let me say that I can sympathise with wanting a direct, intimate encounter with God in that way. And I can understand why some churches emphasise that idea of hearing a direct, personal, specific word from God. It's an understandable reaction against dry, dead religion where there's no sense of a personal meeting with God. So looking for God's voice to guide us, a bit like God did with, say, Moses, is understandable. But I don't think it's right. In the New Testament, we have everything we need to know God's will and to know how to live. We have his word. We have his spirit to guide us and to show us all truth. Let's just quickly look at Hebrews 1 again. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. God's own son, who is king of the universe, who created us and the heavens and the earth, has come down and spoken to us He has spoken to us through his words. He has spoken to us through his life, through his death. Most importantly of all, he willingly shed his blood for us so that we can be forgiven and live with him forever. That's his message to us. There's nothing else we need, friends. It's all there in the pages of the New Testament what he has done for us and how we are to respond to that. We don't need anything else. We don't need dreams, audible words, miracles. What we're actually doing when we look for these things is we're saying to God, I don't really trust in your word enough. Your promises aren't enough. I need something more. Let me finish off with two thoughts. One is a danger of relying on hearing from God in some extra way to his word. And the second one is how God speaking through his word 
is tremendously freeing for us. Firstly, the danger of relying on things beyond his word. When we were in the uh, East Asia, uh, we had a friend at the church that we attended who one day got up and left his wife and two young daughters to shack up with another woman. A number of people, including the pastor, tried to confront him about his actions. But he was completely unrepentant. He was convinced that it was God's will for him to leave his wife because he said he's never felt so alive. It just felt so right. Now that's an extreme example and there wouldn't be many people who would agree with him but it shows the problem of apparently hearing God's voice. How do we know it's God? How do we know it's just not my own desires speaking? The only reliable test for how we know something is God's will if it's in God's unchanging word that he has given to us in the Bible. Final thought. Knowing that God guides us by his word is tremendously freeing. Because I know that what God wants for me is to faithfully trust him, to love my wife and kids and those I'm serving, etc. But when it comes to where I live, who I marry, what, what job I do, well, God gives me the freedom. In the context of praying, of course, and trusting in him that, that he will help me to make wise decisions. But God gives me the freedom to use my brain to make wise decisions on those things. And I'm not under pressure to hear from God whether I should live in Roselands or Africa. I don't have to fear missing the boat by not hearing God and somehow missing out on his will. His will is to listen to his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He calls us to believe in his gospel and to obey his son. Amen.